network. Network as much as possible. Network outside of your field. Let's say you're a lawyer, right? Uh, let's say I am you're. A lawyer. Hey, <laughs> I know you're a lawyer, <laughs> but I'm speaking to your audience, right? Let's say you're a lawyer. Let's say you're an electrician. Let's say you're a, a, a medic. Let's say you're anything. It doesn't matter what you are, right? Or what profession you're in, right? Speak to viewpoints outside of your bubble, right? To get a better understanding of what their pain points are. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I am your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several businesses to seven and eight figure companies, as well as founded Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And uh, today, as always, we have another great guest to come on and tell about their journey. And it's Andy Chavez, is that right? Chavez, Chavez. I was thinking Chavis like the uh, anyway Fox News, uh, the one guy that was uh, out there. So yeah. got a got a big stuff, but that's what I saw in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't sound quite right, but I couldn't think of the right way at the time. So uh, uh, Chavez, Andy yeah. Chavez, <laughs> and he's going to come on and tell us a little bit more. He started a uh, virtual reality staffing company that helps more with uh, th- therapy centers, especially for autism. And he'll dive into a little bit more about that. It kind of it, it all really started for him um, when he was uh, in graduate school and he was doing a uh, social impact award or competing for it that they won. And then many years later, that is kind of the genesis of where he's at today. And I'll let him tell a little bit more about his story and what happened in the meantime. But welcome on to the podcast, Andy. Devin, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, our first conversation was great. And, um, you know, I think you summarized my, my, my little journey very quickly. And uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me. So awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. So I gave the very brief introduction of kind of what led you to where, at, where you're at today. But maybe if you can give us, provide a little bit more detail, kind of, you know, starting at, you know, maybe graduate school or wherever makes sense. And then we can mm-hmm. talk through and bring it up uh, to, to the, the present, maybe a little bit of the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'll kick off with uh, stating that I, if you would have asked me 10 years ago if I would have started my own startup, um, I would have said no. Like it was just, it wasn't a thing of, of, of uh, you know, it, was, it didn't interest me. I didn't think it was the right way to go. Um, but, you know, things kind of just change. And um, I'm really curious to see where I'm going to be in 10 years. But, uh, but let's start off with where, where I started off. But I'm going to jump, and I know you barely just got started. I've already jumped in. <laughs> but... So you do that. So because if you'd have asked me 10 years, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, I'm trying to think how long, I guess I would have been in JD MBA school or law degree in MBA, but I probably would have said, yeah, I'd love to be at a startup or small business. So what was it that you didn't think you you just always thought you'd work for somebody else or wanted to work for a business or what made you think, Hey, I I probably don't ever see myself going that route. So it's interesting. I, um, I always thought I was going to have a business, but not a startup. Uh, I think there's a, there's a distinction between the two. Uh, and I think the, the probably the biggest distinction is, is scalability, right? Like how does something scale? And I think a startup scales, right? It scales and, and it hits, uh, uh, you know, pain points to the masses, right? So, so, and then a business is also can scale, but a business might stay regional or a business might stay local, um, you know, and then even within those categories, there's still a lot of differentiation between what a business is and what a startup is. Um, but I think one thing can be said for all of them is that the mentality of an entrepreneur is very present 
from the person who sets up a hot dog stand in the corner to the person who thought about, you know, I'm going to do ride sharing because that sounds great. And then all of a sudden, you know, it becomes Uber, right? So it's the same mentality. Um, so what made my, what changed my mind? All right. So uh, about a little over 10 years ago, I, I traveled to San Francisco to see some undergraduate schools, um, Bay Area. And I thought, boy, this is really nice out here, but I don't like it. It's just, uh, I, don't, I don't like the, you know, I, I don't like the general uh, atmosphere. I don't like, I don't like any of this. I, I can't see myself here. Um, and I thought, oh, that's Silicon Valley. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a tech bro. Not, not to say that I'm a tech bro now, I'm not. Um, but I just couldn't see myself in this place. Then during graduate school, we took an excursion out to Silicon Valley. It was the first excursion that we did in our cohort to Silicon Valley. And we visited Google, we visited Facebook, um, we met with investors, uh, we went to Andrew St. Horowitz, mm. um, we went to uh, BFJ, um, and it was just, it was just mind blowing, right? I remember sitting back on the school bus, they, we read, you know, they had a, a big one of the nice buses, heading back to our hotel, looking out the window and thinking, this is, this is a pivotal moment in my time because I think what I've learned here during this trip has changed my mind. That's not to say that I ever thought, oh, I'm going to be back here. But I went back to Gainesville, Florida, because that's where I did my graduate school at the University of Florida. And I thought, all right, well, this is the opportunity that I can take today right now to change my life um, in, in such a way that, you know, it's not just thinking about, you know, how am I going to set up a business shop, like a shop, right? Or, or um, just to give you a little bit more clarity on my background, I have, I have an architecture degree. I'm going to set up an architecture. No, it, it becomes much more than that, right? Because um, the impact that you can make through a small company is not as large as you can make through a bigger company, right? So that's, that's sort of the, the, the mindset switch that I made during that time period. Um, and, and, and I think in retrospect, it, it's easy to explain it. And I summarize it in like, what, two minutes? But really, that, that journey took years. Mm. So you, you make that journey, you make that connection. So don't remind me, so you were an undergrad. So did you, once you graduated, did you jump right into the business you're at now? Did you go mm -hmm. and work for a big company, a big tech company, a big startup software? Mm -hmm. Where did, what path did that take mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. So I have my undergraduate degree in architecture. And I thought, man, I'm going to be the best architect ever. <laughs> well, I mean, I graduated around a, a shortly after, maybe a couple of years after the big, uh, big recession of 08. Mm. And uh, things were just starting to pick up. And um, I didn't end up in architecture. I ended up in marketing um, back down in Florida. Um, I went to school, undergrad school in, uh, in New York. And um, I, I, I ended up in marketing with a great group of people. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was experiential marketing. We did a lot of events, a lot of branding. It was, it was great. Uh, unfortunately, that company I was working for closed, uh, at least the Miami branch. And then about a year after, the, the, the whole company closed. They, were, they had four offices, New York, Portland, L.A., and Miami. Um, and, you know, it was just probably a matter of just them scaled. Too, they, they scaled too quickly. Um, they didn't know how to maintain how to be sustainable. 
Um, but the folks there that I've worked with, um, you know, from the owners all the way down to the project managers, a project manager there, um, amazing people. I worked with friends. I still speak to them on a daily basis. Um, so I ended up in marketing. And when that company closed, I said, all right, well, this is my opportunity to go to grad school. Okay. Um, <laughs> and this is another little fork in the road. I said, well, I'm going to go to grad school for architecture. Again, I want to get my master's in architecture, right? Mm. Um, and I applied and I spoke to my advisor. Uh, she was going to take me under her wing. I was going to write, you know, uh, do a study, perhaps even uh, follow up with a PhD. And it was, it was orientation day at the University of Florida, August 2015, orientation day, right? We were all in a big auditorium. They were telling us about studio of life and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. And, I, and I tell myself, why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this, right? I just, I just left a company that failed because back then I thought maybe, you know, they're not great at running a business. Hmm. Why am I going to go back and... I don't know, chase ghosts. Why don't I go back to school? If I'm going to go back to school, why not go back to school to reinforce my weaknesses? I always thought I'm, I'm, I'm really weak on the business side, right? So I hopped on my bicycle and I, I went over to the school of business and I said, hey, what's your course catalog, right? Like I didn't even have, like, I didn't have a chance to like look online or research. What's your course catalog? What's your offering? Um, and I found this really interesting um, offering because it was too late for the GMAT. It was too late for the MBA. I, I found this really interesting, a master's of science in entrepreneurship. And I thought, well, that sounds really interesting, right? Um, and I looked at the course catalog, the offerings, and I thought, let's do this, right? And I spoke to the advisor and he said, all right, well, submit your GREs. Uh, this was about a week before school started. Submit your GREs and you know, we'll let you know. Uh, we, may have, we may have one opening left. Okay. I submitted my GREs. I had just went in an apartment. Uh, you know, just painting the context. The apartment was bare. There's nothing there. I was sleeping on a on a on a on a on a on a, on a uh, inflatable mattress. I'm thinking, man, if I don't if I don't want to do architecture and I don't get into business school, what am I going to do? I just rented this apartment. I'm going to have to do something else. And I I submitted it my application and, and I got in. And from that moment on, I just took you know every time I would walk into the school of business, the Warrington School of of, uh, of business. I thought, I'm in business school. Like I am taking classes with other MBAs. I'm taking classes with finance majors. I am taking classes with all these really interesting, very smart individuals. I'm learning about accounting, venture capital, entrepreneurship, finance, uh, the stock market. And I thought, boy, if only I had this education also in architecture school, right? Like that would have been awesome, right? And I think a, a big missing component of just a lot of undergraduate programs, uh, and this is something that we, we talk about a lot with my girlfriend and the co-founder, is, um, you know, if, if, if you just had took one business course in undergrad, right? Whether you're doing, uh, I don't know, archeology span or philosophy or whatever, just to know how you can grab what you're learning, the core material, and turn it into something that can make you money, right? For yourself, not so you can go work with, for someone else, but for yourself, right? Even though, like the basic economics of what have you, you know, insert, insert anything there. Like and that I, would be so valuable. And, I, and I'm agreeing, but I even think even if you do, do go work for a bigger company, it's still very valuable in the yes. sense that, you know, because 
no matter if it's a big company, a startup, a small business or anything in between, all companies need to make money in order to be mm-hmm. sustainable, right? And too often, because I mean, I would, because I, I, I ended up getting four degrees and yet I did end up getting the MBA. So I, I did do, I have to do that or go through and take that test as well as law degree. But he, regardless, I mean, a lot of times you come out and when I came, under, under, came out of undergraduate and I did electrical engineering in Chinese, it was, um, you know, I know how to be an engineer, but I have no idea how to run a business or I have no idea, you know, how a business makes it or, you know, and I, you know, I know it's a little bit, but not, not very much as far as how a business makes this money, what is important to a business, how you manage a business, how you bring in clients, how you do marketing, how you do sales. And yet I think those things are universally beneficial across, especially in startups and small businesses, but even in mm-hmm. large businesses, you can make yourself much more valuable, even to a large business of, Hey, I can help out with sales or, Hey, I can yeah. bring in new clients. Yeah. Hey, you know, and I look at yeah. when I graduated, even from a law, you know, the law practice, and I do that, you know, still till this day, there was nothing in the whole practice of law that talked anything about how you run your own firm or how you do client generation or how you do taxes and how you do finances and how you manage books. And yet, that's as much as what you spend your time on in a law practice as helping people with law is all the other stuff. And so mm-hmm. I definitely think that if there was a, a adjustment in the, in the general education of almost any curriculum, it's how you deal with that business aspect on a practical level yep. and not just the, you know, the higher level educational point yep. of doing that. So I'm in yep. complete agreement. Yeah. Yep. And, you, and you hit on a really great point um, because it's also about, let's say you learn that in school, right? There's that education component. Then you're insert yourself into a larger business. You're just adding value to that business, right? And you're learning more. You're learning. I mean, quite frankly, you're kind of learning on someone else's time sometimes, right? Uh, and that's great. That's awesome. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page because I think, I think, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, undergrad is, um, it's up for some disruption, I think. Okay. So, so now we take that, we move it forward. So you, you, you went through, you switched, you adjusted where the direction you're going in graduate school, you come out of there and what was next or how did you get into involved with what you're doing now? We haven't even spoke. We haven't even started with what I'm, <laughs> what I'm doing now. Um, so in the middle of graduate degree, um, every year they held a uh, big idea competition. Mm. Um, this was something that was set up by, an incredible professor, his name is Dr. Michael Morris, totally plugging him in here because he changed my life. Uh, he teaches at Duke now. And uh, <clears throat> he set up this um, a big idea competition. And, um, you know, uh, as part of the curriculum, I had to apply to the big idea competition, right? And the big idea competition was a very traditional business plan competition. We're talking about the 40 page business plan, identifying your market, you're doing a SWOT analysis, uh, having a, a waterfall project um, uh, uh, rollout. I mean, the works, the works. I did this three times. I did this three times in a variety of different fashions while I was in grad school. Um, grad school only took me two years, but like just because of the nature of what I was working with and the people I was working with, we were able to do it multiple times. Um, so we applied, um, a couple of, uh, my, my co-founder, who is my girlfriend, um, and two other co-founders, um, we, we met in, in uh, one of them, I met them during one of our classes, and we said, hey, you know, let's, let's apply uh, at, let's apply to the Big Idea Competition together because we have the same uh, wants and needs, right? We have the same uh, goals in mind, right? Uh, using technology 
to increase the value of someone's life through um, applied behavior analysis, which is what we do. Um, and we thought, all right, well, let's, let's do it. Back then we weren't even called behavior me, we were called highly tactful. And, uh, and we decided, let's, 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 let's write this idea, this, you know, idea, 40 page plan, let's submit it. We need, honestly, we didn't think much of it. Like, I think back then we thought we were doing a lot, but in retrospect, I, I, I'm not sure if we put a hundred percent of our effort in it, but regardless, regardless, we were chosen for the finalists, mm. but they did tell us, Hey, come to the ceremony. Please let us know if you're coming to the ceremony. You may strongly nudge us to come to the ceremony. I'm like, all right, well, we'll go to the ceremony. It's free dinner. It's a gala. You know, there's music. There's an open bar. Why not? Registered and why not? Why not? <laughs> so we went, and it was only my, my one co-founder and myself. They're like, oh, well, we're here. It's fun. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're announcing the runner-ups, and and they said, well, now for the social impact award, uh, we want to recognize. Um, uh, uh, highly tactful for their blah, 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 blah. And we're like, we look at each other and we're like, whoa, what is this? Mm. So we went up and we received our award and we received, we also received the cash award, which is amazing to us. We were definitely not expecting any of that because if we were not going to be chosen off three, we were like, oh, well, it's not worth it, right? Mm. Um, and we were chosen as the social impact award. And that really sort of validated our initial efforts in what we were doing. And you know those few, few couple thousand dollars were able to you know give us one uh, you know, validation and two you know we set up a website we set up some emails, um, we were able to get free space free workspace at the university for this, um, so it was great it was just it was it was a form of, of of validation that helped us continue moving forward and I feel like those those little forms come in waves throughout the journey. And so I'm going to jump in and I, by all means, not hijacking your journey, but it's interesting just because I did a very, the parallels between both of our journeys is interesting. So I, one of the startups that I'm still in a different evolution involved with started from a business competition in graduate school as well. Nice. So we were, it was a multidisciplinary one where you took like, I think we had an engineer, we had a designer, we had a materials guy, and then I was doing it more from the legal and patent perspective. Nice. I, I found actually about it through the MBA school because I did my law degree and my MBA degree at the same time, but we did and we entered the first year and I think we took second, we got a little bit of money, we all just split it, went our separate ways and then came back the next year and decided we'd get together and enter it again and um you know so and we again we entered it and that was a, the first year was with a gym bag that made it so it didn't stink which theoretically looked good but you know <laughs> didn't, we decided it was more work and it was gonna be it wasn't as easy to, to take to a real product but the second one we came up with was a this was back in the day before Fitbit, before iWatch or anything else. Mm -hmm. And it was for wearables that do hydration monitoring. So I was into running at the time and without boring you with the whole story, thought it'd be cool to know how to do uh, hydration monitoring as, as related to marathon running. So we came up with that. We got to the end again, we took second, which I was a little bit spiteful because the reason <laughs> the, first, the first team won is the one that won the last year. They took all their money that they got a lot bigger prize, dumped it back in, re-entered the exact same thing and just made iterations. So I'm like, well, that kind of makes it hard for anybody that doesn't, you know, that's entering the first year. But that, you know, by gripe aside, 
built that into now what is a current iteration still going as a company that's now doing uh, glucose monitoring for wearables and getting ready to launch the product at the end of the year. So long iteration, but it was just an interesting path that both of our journeys kind of started with uh, in graduate school doing a competition. So. And that actually, I, mean, I was thinking about this um, actually yesterday because I was, I, was, I, was, I was on Twitter and, and so I'm originally from Miami and, you know, someone asked, hey, is Miami, is, is it a good tech hub? And I'm thinking it has potential, right? And I think this applies to so many different areas. It has potential, but I think, I think the institutions, whether they be public or private, have to set up these competitions, have to set up these uh, uh, mediums, right? Whether they be competitions or what have you, um, to inspire students and inspire folks right to think creatively to set up some sort of company because even if they don't win right it's still a really good practice to do right it's still a really good um experience to have right and um you know i think that has to happen more right and it has to come i don't know from who i is the universities is a private institution I, I, i'm not sure mm. but i think in order to foster that 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 entrepreneurial mindset mm -hmm. has to be that that entity that allows for that to happen right i think that's why why there's a lot of folks that do like hackathons right um it's it's a it's a quick two-day turnaround with a lot of technical folks sitting around trying to solve a problem that's really cool right that's really awesome right because ideas come from that right and and there are multiple stories i you know one just came to mind there are multiple stories that happen like that and have turned into businesses right so so it comes through a confluence of minds or it comes because it comes because it, it or rather it's generated because of, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to solve a pain point. Right. So. All right. So now we've got off on a whole bunch of fun and exciting <laughs> rabbit holes. So as we kind of start to get to the end of the podcast, I want to get, so let's jump to where you're at, your business at today. So you, you did the graduate school, got the social impact, decided, Hey, we're going to make this, you know, take the money or use the resources that were provided to us and make it into a real business. And so that is that bringing it forward to today. That's where you're doing today with the augmented reality or virtual reality. And I was, I know there's a difference um, with the ABA and the, and the therapy centers and doing staffing solutions. So maybe talk just a little bit, just, you know, how you, how you created that and how that's gone and how that, how you built that. Yeah, absolutely. So where we're at currently, um, we are um, partnering or partners with a company called Easter Seals, uh, specifically their uh, Southern California branch. And uh, Easter Seals is a nationwide not-for-profit. And what we're doing is that we're helping them hire better candidates. That's really what it boils down to, right? And how do we do that? We do that through a mixture of both VR and actually AR, but I'll actually introduce another very confusing acronym. There's VR, there's AR. Let's call it mixed reality or MR. Right. Um, why do I say that? I think that's a sort of that's been bored because of, you know, this whole virus pandemic thing that has, has just occurred in that, um, you know, there has to be multiple ways of deploying our technology. So essentially what we're doing for companies like Easter Seals is that we're allowing them to gauge a potential employees understanding um, of the situation that they're getting themselves into in providing therapy, right? So the biggest problem in the industry that we're in right now 
is that there's a 50% turnover year over year of employees. That's completely unsustainable. In any business, that's completely unsustainable, right? 50% is insane, right? And now if I'm spending anywhere between three and $5,000 to hire one employee, I'm talking about recruitment, interviewing, hiring, training, background checks, and then that employee is gonna leave six, seven, eight months later, that's not good. That's not good at all, right? So what if at the very beginning, right, when they first come into the interview, after we pass the niceties, you know, hi, how are you? Your, your resume looks great. Well, how about I give you this VR headset hmm. and I'm gonna test you. And what you're gonna see in that simulation is a child who is going to want to play with you, right? But then all of a sudden they're gonna have a, a behavioral episode and they're gonna kick and they're gonna scream and they're going, and your, and your job is to stay cool, calm and collected, figure out what the problem is and how to fix it, right? So what we're testing for there is a, mul a you know, multiplicity of things. Creativity, how creative can you get to help a child, right? Like if I give you a pen, can you pretend that this pen is a spaceship? Right? Can you play like that? Right? Because if you can't, then maybe you're not good with children. <laughs> right? Um, do you have a solid understanding of the environment that's happening around it? Maybe, maybe it's not that the child's hungry. Maybe it's that the child, you know, doesn't want to see uh, the sun. Right? Like, can you manipulate that environment? Right? Um, can you interact with that child's parent? So we also have other avatars that come in and ask you questions, right? Like, how is my son? How is my daughter doing, right? Can you respond to that? So we're testing for technical skills and we're testing for soft skills, right? All of this before we even tell that person, yes, you're hired, no, you're not. We're passing on you, right? So we have a better understanding of who we want. Now, will that reduce the pool of, of pop, uh, possible candidates? Probably. But the quality of the candidate will increase. And ultimately, if the quality of the candidate increases, the quality of care increases, the length of care, right, the length of time that that person is paired with that child to provide therapy increases. So, you know, it, they, that child doesn't jump from therapist to therapist because therapists are leaving, right, because they're quitting because they can't do it, right? That's detrimental to the child, that's detrimental to the parents, to their siblings, to their grandparents, and it has, it has a crazy network effect, right? Um, so it really, it really, it really does have, when you talk about social impact, right? If you can impact one person's life, right? That is a social impact, right? We can impact a network effect. What I like, you know, what I like a lot of things I think is interesting is, you know, cause I think that taking, whether it's AR, you know, and for people, augmented reality, virtual reality, or what you call mixed reality, which I may argue that that's what augmented reality is, just in the sense that that's kind of what it already is. But we'll take that. But, you know, it's been an industry that typically has gone into the gaming industry, which mm -hmm. I think is maybe at some point will catch on, but it's certainly struggled and they've done it multiple attempts and it still hasn't caught on. And yet, I, so I think that it's a little bit of a, a cool technology looking for a real world application. Mm -hmm. And I, I even work with the, you know, on the patent side, um, I work with another company that does it similarly within the auto, within the um, 
worker labor type thing. So if you're an auto mechanic or you're even a doctor or different things and it goes through training and also helps you to see things and manipulate them and everything else. So not what you guys are doing, but I think that that's where it really is going and it has the most impact and usefulness. And then I think it's even cooler that you guys are doing it in an application that really allows you to test much better how you do the, you know, a, a person that you're trying to hire, how they'll react into, and it's not going to be perfect or one for one, but it gives you a much better insight. So I think that's really awesome and cool what you guys are doing. So, well, I think there's about 20 more rabbit holes that we can go down that we never have. We don't have time for it. And the only, only people who find it interesting are us. But so maybe as we kind of start to move towards wrapping up, I always ask two questions at the end of the podcast. So we'll kind of jump over to those now. So the first question I always ask is, what was the worst business decision you ever made? Not acting upon the market quick enough, mm. right? Um, we spent a lot of money chasing our darlings and not listening to what our customers are saying. Mm. Believing that we were trying to solve the biggest pain point when truly sometimes it isn't even what the market or your customers saying is what they're not telling you. Mm. Right. You have to read that too. Right. So I'll give you an, a quick example. Sure. You know, we, we started off with another offering in virtual reality. Um, and you know, we would set up these biweekly meetings with customers and you know, a month, two months, they'd be going great. And then all of a sudden they drop off. I'm like, Hey, Hey Tim, why, you know, you want to reschedule and then tell them, Oh, you know, we're having problems at the office. Um, you know, I'm sorry, we have to reschedule. Okay. All right. Well, okay. What's, well, eventually I had to ask him, well, what's happening? Well, okay. Well, my therapist just quit, you know, now I have to hire not only that therapist, but five more because you know, my demand is increasing. Mm. Okay. So we heard that multiple times, but we still didn't act upon it, right? Mm. We still didn't act upon it, right? So, and that happened with multiple customers too, mm. right? And we thought, oh, well, that's, well, I guess they're not gonna use our product. Okay, well, all right. But if we would have acted upon that pain point, right, that true pain point of that, 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 that company, then we may be in a better place. I don't know, right? Cause it's all, it's all speculative, right? So we may have been in a better place. We may have spent money on, on solving that pain point instead of trying to chase our darlings, right? So, so that's one, that's, that's probably my worst, our worst business decision as a company. All right. Okay. Now, and I think that's a very insightful. So thank you. So now as I jump to the second question I always ask is, so talking to somebody that's just getting into startups, just getting into small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I'm, I'm actually going to switch this one, right? Cause I had, I had a pre, almost like a pre, sort of uh, answer for this network network as much as possible network outside of your field let's say you're a lawyer right uh let's say I you're a lawyer hey <laughs> i know you're a lawyer <laughs> but i'm speaking to your audience right let's say you're a lawyer let's say you're an electrician let's say you're a, a, a medic let's say you are a, anything it doesn't matter what you are right or what profession you're in right speak to viewpoints outside of your bubble right to get a better understanding of what their pain points are, what their point of views are, right? Really just go out and network. And I know it's, it's probably gonna be a little more difficult nowadays in, in this you know, virus era. I have no clue where we're going with this. Mm. But, but just go out there, feel uncomfortable, right? 
being being uncomfortable by being uncomfortable means that you are in a situation that's new to you and you're learning, right? Um, if I had been comfortable, I probably would have continued in architecture school. If I was uh, if I was comfortable, I probably would have continued my my merry way in 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 marketing. If I was comfortable, I probably I don't know, right? But I I purposely made myself uncomfortable, right? Put myself in situations where I don't fully understand to in order to learn, right? And I think that's that's a very very valuable thing to have as an entrepreneur starting out. No, I, I'm in complete and total agreement. So. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. If we had more time, we would jump into a whole bunch more rabbit holes, but maybe for we'll save that for another day. Absolutely. Um, but people want to reach out. They want to use your product. They want to be a customer. They want to get involved. They want to engage. They want to talk with you, any of the above or invest in you or whatnot. What's the best way to connect up with you and reach out to you? Absolutely. That's Andy at behaviorme.co. Andy at behaviorme.co. Perfect. All right. And then they could also go to your, I believe your website is just behaviorme.co, right? Yep. That's so check out. So we, we could, we could, we literally cannot afford the M. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I more than understand. And sometimes like, this is the perfect URL and it's like $20,000 or they don't want to sell it. Or something else. Like, okay, I don't need that. I could do something similar, but we'll do something different. So perfect. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you coming on. I invite everybody, especially those that are in, uh, that are needing, uh, they're working with autism or otherwise in therapy centers to check you out, get to or know more about you and to use your service. Um, for those of you that are, have your own journey to tell, we would love to have you come on the podcast and tell it. If you want to come on, just go to inventivejourneyguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. Um, and for those of you that are listeners, make sure to click subscribe so that you can get notified of this and all the new, uh, new episodes as they come out. And certainly, if you need any help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Um, Andy, it was a pleasure to have you on. It was a fun to hear your journey and wish you the best next, best next leg of your journey as uh, things continue on for you. Kevin, thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, it's amazing. And um, likewise, on your endeavors, and we'll, we'll connect again. All right. Sounds great.